Welcome to Combos with Cam, a podcast from the heart of a 40-ish black native Oakland woman just out here trying to function. It's like your Saturday morning chat with your favorite cousin or your cool aunt, talking about everything and nothing while navigating through the circle of life. From adult friendships to caring for aging parents to the things that aren't always discussed, but maybe should be. Let's talk about it and grow through it together. Hey, 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 what's good, Cam fam? It's your girl, Cam. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of things sports. Not necessarily all things sports, because sports is a very vast and extensive topic. It's also a very charged topic, which we'll kind of get into a little bit today. But, um... It's a topic, and it's something that I kind of want to talk about, given all of the things that have happened locally for me in terms of sports, as well as nationally and internationally. So starting on the international stage, the Olympics have started, um, which normally I'm super excited for because I'm always here for the gymnastics, I'm always here for track and field, and I'm always here for swimming. Some of the other sports I'm just like, eh. But like the summer Olympics and those summer sports, get into it. I'm here for it. But um given the covety feel of the Olympics and some of the other challenges for lack of a better word that are kind of going on with the Olympics, um I'll catch some of the highlights and some of the clips on social media and the other interwebs um Simone Biles is still the goat and you can't tell me otherwise I do want to see her slay all of the themes all of the things gymnastics but um we'll see if I can find that schedule and and see what I can see when I can see it nationally are you guys sitting down the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. Let that sit with you for just a second. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns for the NBA championship. Bucks and six was a hashtag that was going on or that was floating around the the interwebs. And I only watched game six. Um, and it's interesting because Game six happened on Taco Tuesday, and I was like, oh, the game's on at the bar. You know, I'll I'll check it out. And then when I left the bar, I was like, oh, well, let me watch some more of the game. But, you know, I wasn't really tripping too tough on what was going on because um, for the last couple of years, I've kind of distanced myself um, from basketball, and I'll get into a little bit of that as we get into more of the episode, but, um, you know, watching the game and watching Giannis just dominate everything. This man put up a whole 50 piece in the finals and was like, get at me. And I was like, wow, granted, this was the only game that I watched, but he definitely, definitely put on the show. Um, super happy for him and the work that he did and, um, the win that the Bucks got. I am a little removed from my basketball, so I don't know 
all of the players on the Bucks. Um, I only know a little bit about Giannis from, you know, seeing him play over the years. But I also watched a special on him um, on 60 Minutes a couple of years ago. So I was like, okay, you know, cute little something, you know, nice kind of feel-good story that they told, you know, talking about his up upbringing and family dynamics and what it means to him to to be in the NBA. So even though I'm not a, a Bucks fan, you know, I was definitely rooting for him and I was glad to see him win. Um, and I was glad to see him, you know, share some of those emotions that happen from when you play sports and you you give it your all and, and you win the championship. You know, watching his range of emotions from gratitude to, you know, tears of joy and, you know, just all around hype because he's, what, 26? Put up a 50-piece and got his championship. Two-time MVP and finals MVP. Paid a man, paid a man, paid a man. And he did it in Milwaukee, the team that drafted him. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the years about, you know, joining super teams and creating super teams. And as somebody who grew up a Golden State fan, I've, you know, I've heard and understand both sides of what that kind of looks and sounds like um, in terms of, you know, creating a super team or adding folks to a super team. Um, I hold very firm to the fact that the Warriors were not a super team. Somebody came and joined the team that was already super. And they were, you know, they were born super. You know, a lot of the talent that we had was, you know, drafted. So I said what I said and I stand where I stand. The, you know, super addition, if you will, he he was great. I'm not going to say he, he didn't do anything for the team. He was great. Um, but you know what? Never mind. We don't even need to get into super teams and all this other stuff because at the end of the day, and that's part of what this episode is going to talk about. People are going to go where the money reside, where the money reside, where the money reside. Right. But, you know, shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks for winning their first NBA championship in 50 years. Congratulations to them. And then locally, so y'all know I'm I'm from Oakland. Like I'm I'm really because I'm really from Oakland though, and I grew up an Oakland A's fan, and the A's have been in conversations for some years about trying to get the Coliseum upgraded and moving the team and different you know different conversations around that, which are valid because if you've ever been to the Oakland Coliseum, it, it is, if you're from Oakland, it's homey and you, you feel at home in the Coliseum. But if you're comparing it to some of these newer stadiums or these, you know, upgraded and updated stadiums, the Coliseum feels like little league, the little league pre playground. Um, and it's supposed to be a professional sports venue. So there was some conversation between the Oakland City Council and the A's leadership as it relates to um, 
you know, keeping the A's in Oakland, but moving them down to the waterfront for, you know, um, to build a new stadium. And without getting too, too deep into it, I'm just like, you know what? We could have updated the Coliseum years ago and it would have been fine. Like the infrastructure that's in place at the Coliseum is fine. It just needs to be updated. You could have blown it up and started all over again and we could have resolved this issue years ago. But, you know, now we got threats of going to Fremont and going to Vegas and now we want to be on the the waterfront like the Giants. And I'm like, this is all too, too much. And it's all part of, it all continues to feed into, you know, how I have really started falling out of love with professional sports, which is hilarious because in my, you know, 40 plus years of of living, I didn't necessarily think that I would get to this place where I'd be like, man, I'm over sports, right? Growing up in the Bay Area, you had the A's. You had the Niners, you had the Warriors. And I say the A's, the Niners, and the Warriors because when I was growing up, this is a part a part of contention for a lot of people because there are some people who would give me grief, like level one grief because I'm from Oakland, but I wasn't a Raider fan because when I was growing up, the Raiders were in LA for most of my life and they came back to Oakland 95, 96, 96, I think. Cause I know that they were gone. They had come back by the time I had left to go to um, Howard for undergrad. But you know, the majority of my formative years there was only one football team in the area, and it was the Niners. So I absolutely grew up a Niner fan. But people like, oh, you from Oakland, you a traitor, you won't, won't, won't. First of all, I'm not, and I wasn't. There is a very big difference between being a Niner fan, a Raider fan, a Niner hater, and a Raider hater. I was a 49er fan. I was not a Raider hater. You can be both. But there are some who are so very polarized with sports, which is one of the many things that sports can do. It is so very polarizing that folks would get into, like, legit beef about being from Oakland, being from town. Oh, you're supposed to support the Raiders no matter what. Well, guess what? The Raiders have left again. They went off to hotter deserts and they went to Las Vegas so where's your loyalty now and that's kind of the thing for me like I'd say over the last five maybe seven years my deep love for professional sports has just shifted completely and I think part of it is because you know being a Niner fan The whole situation with Cap just did not sit right with me. Then, being from Oakland and being and seeing the Raiders stuff play out with the Raiders, you know, are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Are they going to, you know, this this two-step they did around 
you know, staying in Oakland, um, and then ultimately leaving and going to Las Vegas. That didn't sit well with me. Then you got the Warriors, who, granted, the Warriors, when they first came to California, they were in San Francisco. They spent, I want to say it was like 40 years in Oakland, and then they went to, they most recently went back to San Francisco. I mean, I get it. And if you know anything about geography, Oakland and San Francisco are relatively close to each other, but there are so many dynamics in play outside of just the Raiders and the Niners as it relates to, you know, the dynamics of folks from Oakland and folks from San Francisco, also known as the city. So it's the town versus the city, right? And there are so many dynamics there. So you have the Niners, who are still technically the San Francisco 49ers, but they play in Santa Clara. You have the Raiders, who left and went to Las Vegas. You have the Warriors, who were in San Francisco, came over to Oakland, you know, sparked tremendous joy in Oakland, I'd say probably for the last 20 years, especially with the last, you know, 10 or so years with the Splash Brothers and Draymond and, you know, all of the things, right? They moved back to San Francisco. And now you have the A's who were in talks of leaving Oakland again, or not leaving Oakland again, but who are in talks again about leaving Oakland and going somewhere else. And I'm like, how am I, as an Oakland resident, but also as a sports fan, how do I continue to support these organizations who don't really care about the city of Oakland, who aren't as loyal to the soil as we would want them to be. And it just, it shifts, it breaks my heart a little bit because we have so many professional teams in the area, but yet we have underperforming schools. We have, you know, homelessness. We have so many income inequities across the board. And yeah, tech absolutely has something to do with it. And I definitely think we should hold tech responsible for a lot of the displacement that's going on here in the Bay Area. But before tech became what tech is now, we still had the San Francisco 49ers. We still had the Raiders for a good amount of time. We still had the A's. We still had the Giants. We, we still had the Warriors. And what were they doing to pour back into our communities? Not only the playgrounds, but what were they doing to pour into the schools? Right. So it's very difficult for me to continue to support teams and organizations when there are so many challenges happening around the, the communities that support these teams. Yes, we have tons of people who work concessions and nonprofit organizations who support um, concession stands and, you know, benefit in different ways. But for all the money that comes through, you know, major league sports to not funnel some of that money back into the communities to support it, to help it thrive. Nah, that, that's not something that, that sits well with me or my homegirls. And you have these people, you have Oakland fans who are loyal. So you have folks who are just loyal to the team, just absolutely loyal. They were loyal 
from the 60s. They was loyal in the 80s. You know, when they were gone. Loyal in the 90s when they came back. Loyal in, you know, 2019 when they left. Just loyal, loyal, loyal. Like, they are the epitome of loyal to the soil. They've been with the team. They've been with the organization from the beginning. Season ticket holders, you know, meet and greets with the owners and fans and, you know, everybody just loyal, right? So, how far does your loyalty go? When you support an organization like the Raiders, and listen, this is not a knock on Raider fans, but for me, again, this is a very polarizing topic because I live here. I am part of a family of loyal Raider fans, or at least loyal Raider tailgaters, which is a whole nother thing. And you know, I am the lone, or I was the lone 49er fan. My dad watched the Niners and, you know, he got me into football to an extent. So, you know, there's, you know, there's that whole piece, right? So how far does the loyalty go? What does it say about your loyalty? And this is, this is just a general question. What does it say about your loyalty when the organization doesn't value your loyalty the same way you value them? excuse me so you know it's just it's really it's really really a struggle piece to to be loyal to something and have that loyalty tested and then you you remain loyal you remain faithful and then they still leave Like, what is that about? Like, make that make sense. But at the same time, it's still some people that's like, that's my team and I'm going to stick beside them. And I get it. I wholeheartedly was one of those people for a long time. But, you know, like I said, particularly my shift really started, I'd say there were like two incidents where my shift towards and my position towards sports really, you know, started to take a stand. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of those was the situation with Colin Kaepernick, you know, taking a knee. And to this day, there are people who still have major feelings about Cap and, you know, what he did and what he didn't do and what he said and what he didn't said or what you interpret his action to mean even though it didn't mean that. And it was just so very, you know, that whole aspect was just very, very polarizing. And then, and it was also very eye-opening, right? Because you have people on one hand who were like, he's disrespecting the flag and he's disrespecting what it stands for and, you know, all these other things. And it's like, nah, that's actually not exactly what he's doing. But if that's how you feel, you know, go off. And you have these people who just have these very, very strong feelings about it. And it's like, okay, I see you. I hear you. I get it. 
do you have that same level of passion about anything else? No? Okay. And, you know, that's one of the things that I mean when I say that, you know, sports is very, very polarizing because you will have such strong convictions about one aspect of the sport and you can't even consider other aspects of the sport that don't even necessarily directly have to do with the actual playing of the sport. It's just things associated with the sport. So for me, my falling out of love with sports, I'd say really kind of started with football. So it started with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. But even before that, there was another controversial thing that happened. I, I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but the whole Ray Rice scenario. And I just really, really struggled with the whole um, stance that the NFL took as it related to domestic violence. Because nine times out of ten, domestic violence is going to be perpetrated against black women. As a black woman, I take issue with that because you have all of these instances or a lot of these instances taking place against me. But I am a loyal part of your fan base. There are so many um, black women fans, particularly of football. But you have an organization that doesn't stand up and support, you know, black women in, in that regard. And I think that that's another kind of bigger piece or big old struggle point that I had with um, football. So between, you know, what Ray Rice did and how Roger Goodell handled it and Roger Goodell just as a commissioner he just does not sit well with my spirit, like, at all. When I was in grad school, in my leadership and ethics class, we did a paper talking about how Roger Goodell was not a good leader because he lacked certain leadership qualities and he, you know, operates from a place of nepotism. And I don't understand how the National Football League can operate as a nonprofit organization. Y'all bring in way too much money to be considered a nonprofit. And y'all bring in way too much money to, again, not be fun funneling some of that money back into the communities where the teams are. Because, again, I do not believe that there should be any underperforming schools um, in spaces where there are professional sports teams. Like, collegiate teams is a little bit different. But like K through 12 schools in the Bay Area should not be underperforming. They should not have money issues when there are successful teams in the area who have loyal fan bases and they can give some of that money back to the community. That's, you know, that's just my thinking. Or they can partner with the schools and, and share some of the revenue. But I know that that's, you know, that's a little too... I'm, I'm doing too much. Okay, fine, whatever. So you have Cap, you have Ray Rice, you have Roger Goodell and, you know, his leadership. And all of the, all of these things for me 
start to sit a little bit on the forefront more and, you know, the sport and the games, you know, kind of fall to the, to the backside. And it's like, how do I continue to support this when they are unbalanced? They are unwell. And it's just like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a be cool. Like, I'm I'm cool off of football. And so, you know, a few years ago, that whole, you know, boycott the NFL thing, you know, popped off. And I actually did participate. Um, the only time I watched games is if I went somewhere and the game was on. I wasn't actively, you know, turning on the Niners. I wasn't actively turning on the Raiders. I wasn't actively watching football on Sundays. Um, but I did go to, I do remember going to like a Super Bowl party that year at one of my friend's house because Super Bowl at his house is usually lit. I really went for the food and the drinks and the fellowship around the game, not necessarily to watch the game. And that's kind of been my stance for the last couple of years. Like I'll go to a Super Bowl party. And even recently when the Niners were in the Super Bowl, there was a part of me that was as a longtime 49er fan, I was like, oh, well, it would be nice for the Niners to win the Super Bowl because, you know, Cowboys and the Steelers, they are competition in some regards as it relates to um, number of championships, right? So I was like, oh, it'd be nice for the Niners to get another championship. But it's like, no, no, no. Till y'all do right by Colin Kaepernick, ain't nothing good gonna come to y'all. And the Niners lost the Super Bowl, and I was like, hmm, well, that's that on that, Peggy. So, I mean, that's kind of where my stance comes from as it relates to football, right? So then you have basketball. So like I said, you know, I've been a lifelong Warriors fan, you know, Golden State all day, every day, you know. From Run TMC to We Believe to Splash, like, I remember. Like, I was a big Billy Owens fan. I wanted to go to Syracuse because Billy Owens went to Syracuse. I had a Billy Owens jersey. Side note, I am looking for that jersey to this day because I feel like it would be worth some money. Shout out to Billy Owens. Um, But, you know, the Warriors were like my first, first basketball team, right? So, you know, for me, because I grew up in Oakland and we had direct access to teams, there wasn't a need for me to cheer for anybody else because I already had teams that I had direct access to. So, you know, people who don't necessarily have teams in their area. So like, let's say you're from, oh, I don't know, South Carolina. So, and you have your option of picking teams in Florida or teams in Atlanta or teams in Washington, D.C. You have those options because all of those teams are kind of around you, but you don't necessarily have your own professional team to hold on to, right? So, I mean, I get that. But for me, being from Oakland, you know, we we had, you know, everything kind of right there in our vicinity. And we're not even talking about, you know, stuff on for San Francisco, we're literally just talking about Oakland, right? So with the Warriors, it was like, the Warriors was 
the only basketball team that I knew, like early, early on, right? Granted, they played other teams, but I was like, you know, I'm I'm a Warrior fan. So as I, you know, continued studying basketball and learning a little bit more about basketball, learning about, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics and then the, the Chicago Bulls and the Seattle Supersonics because the Supersonics were a team when I was, you know, growing up or whatever. You know, I knew who those teams were and I recognized players on those teams, but I was loyal to my soil. I was, you know, loyal to Thunder and the Golden State. That that was that on that. And so when the new ownership came and, and bought the team and you could start to see things kind of in motion for them to move back over t- to San Francisco. And I was like, okay, okay. So what I can say is that I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful that the Warriors won their championships while they were still in Oakland because it's like, those are my championships. You know, being a longtime Warrior fan, those are my championships. Those are the championships that we, you know, longed and hoped for when we drafted Chris Webber and we had Latrell Sprewell and, you know, we had Don Nelson as a coach and, you know, all these great things. And even when we tried to bring in um, Chris Mullen as an executive, was he president, director of basketball operations? I don't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, you know, having those old school roots, but seeing this new school team, you know, take that history and help create their own, I I felt a tremendous sense of pride being a Warrior fan for those years. Because if you remember, being a Warriors fan was tough. Because for like years, we would draft power forwards and nothing but power forwards. And it's like, come on, bro. Can we, can we get a point guard? Can we, can we get a big man? Can we get somebody that's not a power forward? Right? But no, that's all we did. Just kept drafting and drafting and drafting power forwards. Anyway, I digress. So you have the Warriors winning championships. And then it's like, but y'all know they're going to San Francisco, right? And it's like, eh. So I don't necessarily want to say that it's karma that the Warriors going to San Francisco and COVID kind of hit at the same time. That's, you know, that's a stretch. And as sports superstitious as I am, I don't think I can make though I, I I can't draw those conclusions, right? But I do feel similarly to, you know, the success that the Warriors had will not necessarily be duplicated in San Francisco. Because now that you're in San Francisco, you've, you're catering to a different crowd that you're not going to necessarily find in San Francisco. The Oakland crowd and the San Francisco crowd, not same, same. Not same, same. And if you've been to a game, you know what I'm talking about. Right? So the Warriors have been in San Francisco for, I guess, technically two seasons because they had the the bubble COVID season. 
And then they had this regular season while COVID was still going on. And, you know, I don't want to call it the San Francisco curse, but since the Warriors went to San Francisco, they've, you know, they haven't quite had the same amount of success that they had in Oakland. I'm not saying that San Francisco's cursed, but you know, the Niners moved and went to the Super Bowl and hosted the Super Bowl and it, it, it hasn't been well for them. The Warriors go to San Francisco. Clay Thompson's been out for the last two seasons. Hasn't really been well for them. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything maliciously. I'm just saying from a sports standpoint there there has there there feels like there is a little bit of karma there, right? Because you turn your back on a community and yet and still you think you're still going to be successful and that's kind of like not that's actually not how any of this works so you kind of have to rebuild and rebuild your fan base and rebuild trust and you know they're professional sports teams you know they'll they'll have bandwagon fans but you know the people in the communities they don't forget they never forget and so you have how I fell out of love, you know, kind of with football, you see a little bit of how I fell out of love with basketball. Now with baseball, again, it's all same, same. You have a team and again, the A's have been my team since I I can remember. The A's have been my first team. I'm not going to say that they're my only team. Just like the Warriors aren't necessarily my only team. Shout out to the, to the Pistons. I bang with y'all. But, um, you know, the A's, you know, the Giants, because, you know, I don't have any beef with them. They're in the National League. We're in the American League. And up, up until a few years ago, that, you know, it only meant something during, you know, sporadic interleague play. But since Houston came over to the American League, we have more inter, interleague play than we should. Whatever, whatever. So, you know, I got the A's. You know, I banged with the Cardinals because when I was in high school, the manager of the A's went to go manage the Cardinals. And I was like, I'm still rock with the A's because that's the hometown team. But Tony La Russa was literally the only manager that I had ever known. And he took half of his pitching staff and he took Mark McGuire with him. I was like, like, what is happening? Like, you're breaking up my childhood team and you're going to St. Louis and I don't like it. But, you know, St. Louis is in the... National League, so I didn't really have to worry about what was going on there. Not a huge, huge thing. Um, and that happened in the late 90s. Um, before the A's had their big three of Hudson, Mulder, and Zito, Atlanta had their big three. So I used to bang with the Braves. And Was there another team that I used to like? I mean, again, you know, I, I watched the Giants, you know, the other hometown team, but you know, not necessarily a big deal. Um, I'm old enough to remember the 88, the 89 and the 90 world series, you know, the A's were notorious for a long time. They would not get in gear until after the all-star, after the all-star break. Now, granted 
baseball got a gang of gangs. A gang, a gang of games. 162 of them. So, hey, maybe you are conserving energy because you know that, uh, you know, you got, you're going to have to make that second half push. And the A's were notorious for making that second half push. We've all seen the highlights of, you know, Kirk Gibson and, and the Dodgers. We don't, we don't need to relive that. You know, that was very trying and traumatic for me as a kid because I remember that whole thing and I was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding. And I remember the excitement of the A's winning the 89 World Series and it was here and, it, you know, that was the Earthquake Series and it was against the Giants and blah, blah, whatever, whatever. And then in 1990, just having my heart broken again. But then in the early 2000s, they were having, they were doing that, you know, second half push again. They would win the AL West and they would get into the playoffs just to get bounced out. And I was like, oh oh my gosh, y'all are killing me, right? Loyal to the A's, but the A's were going A, okay? They were going to do what they do. And that was just that. But again, you know, the Coliseum is old and it needed to be updated. So the A's were kind of like, hey, we, we, we need some new stuff. And again, I get it. Like, no professional sports team should have to spend, you know, a whole bunch of time in a venue like that. Like, upgrade the, upgrade the venue. But then it becomes, well, who who's responsible for it? And, you know, that could be a whole nother topic within itself. Like, I'm not going to get into the economics of who should be paying for sports teams in their arenas because that is just one. I haven't done enough of the research to adequately argue my position. I just have, you know, surface level um, perspective and insight from, you know, being a sports fan, but also being an Oakland resident and, you know, a city of Oakland employee and knowing how certain things in certain negotiations may work, right? So there's that piece. But, you know, I remember when Billy Bean took over and there was some talk about going down to Fremont, I was like, Fremont? Like, what's in Fremont? Like, we don't need, and this is, you know, pre-tech boom or whatever. And it's like, the A's don't need to go to Fremont. All y'all need to do is just update the Coliseum. It'll be fine. And this is, at this time, the the Raiders had come back. Side note, it was always interesting to me how they would convert the Coliseum for A's games and for Raider games. It would never make sense to me. And even being in the Coliseum for both of those types of events, I'm like, huh, well, make it make sense. And, you know, you can't, can't always make it make sense, right? But it's... It it was that's something that was always interesting and funny to me. But um, you know, first they were talking about going to Fremont and then there were some negotiations that kept them in you know, from going from Fremont. And I think Major League Baseball actually blocked them from going to Fremont because Fremont might have been considered San Francisco's territory. You know, those details are a little fuzzy. But I do remember that kind of, you know, being a thing. And so the A's have been in the Coliseum since 68. 
and mm, about three and a half, four years ago, they started this um, campaign talking about being rooted in Oakland. You know, I thought that was cute. And it gave me a little bit of hope only for a little while about a team staying put and staying in place and, you know, having that last little piece of my childhood and something that, you know, I held so near and dear to my heart, having that stay in place. But then you got, you know, new developers coming in and you have new ownership and new leadership, you know, with the A's and with the city council. Well, let's, let's, let's see if we can make something jazzy and let's see, you know, what we can do for this, no matter how it's going to impact the community. And it, and I think that's one of the things that's like really upsetting me and my homegirls as it relates to the current negotiations with the A's and what it feels like to me. Let me say that again. What it feels like is it's like Howard Terminal, which is down on the Jack London waterfront or bust. And it's like, I I really don't understand why we can't just update the Coliseum. Take a season, take two seasons, do whatever that you need to do, blow it up and rebuild it. Because one, you already have that great proximity to the airport. You already have transit lines in place. The location of where it is, is it can't get any better. So just rebuild the stadium in its current place and build up around it because there's a lot of things that need to, you know, be improved around the Coliseum as well and around Oakland, honestly. But, you know, that's not the point of this particular episode. But sadly, I don't see any of that happening. And it's like, how do I continue to pour into a team, pour into an organization, pour into a sport where they're just like, eh, fans are cool but you know we need money but the fans help bring in the money now granted the A's typically have pretty low attendance um and that can be attributed to a whole bunch of things trading off star players the Coliseum being old you know all these different things all these different things are definitely in play but it's just like ugh I just really want y'all to do better. And what, you know, part of the argument and what part of the fight feels like, it's like, y'all don't want to be here. And whether it's sports teams, friendships, work relationships, whatever. If, if you don't want to be somewhere, don't be somewhere. Don't create this, this narrative of, oh, well, you're only doing it for whatever you can, you can leave. If you feel like Oakland is so terrible and you feel like you're not getting the support, you're you're not being um, fed where you're rooted, then leave. But understand what that's going to do to the community, both um, from a fan perspective as well as from, you know, a community and a financial perspective. But if, if you want to go, you know, say less say less and it's just it's just really unfortunate the 
I guess seeing, you know, up close and personal what these sports teams do and, and don't do and, you know, their contributions, air quotes on contributions to society. So that's kind of where I am. And that's kind of a nutshell of how I got from, you know, being all sports, everything to, eh, I, I can occupy my time doing something else and don't even get me started on division one college sports. Cause that's a whole, whole nother thing. But I think I've kind of rambled on and on about sports. So to quickly recap, shout out to the Olympics, shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. I keep emphasizing the Bucks because I actually, I don't want to accidentally call them the Brewers. Even those, those are two different teams and two different sports. Um, the Bucks and the Brew Crew. Anyway. Um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily want to shout out Oakland because I'm not too proud of them right now. Um, but I hope things, no, I trust that things will work out the way that they're supposed to as it relates to the A's and what happens next. And maybe I'll fall in love with sports again, but I don't think I will. I don't think I will. I went from being, you know, a very engaged, um, fanatic to a very kind of, if there's something less than casual, I'm a less than casual fan, you know, in the seven months of 2021, I've watched a handful of professional sports, a handful. It's like, hmm. Oh, I don't even know who's on, who's on some of these teams anymore. It's like, hmm, all right. And I think, you know, if there's ever a professional sports reform, then again, you know, maybe I can see myself, you know, coming back into my fandom. But for now, it's like, hmm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm cool on it right now. But like I said, sports are very um, engaging and very polarizing. And some fans are great and some fans are not so great. Maybe we'll talk about fandom in another episode. But for now, that's all I got. Thanks for checking out this episode of Combos with Cam. Share your thoughts and reflections on today's episode on Instagram or the Twitter at combos with cam hashtag combos with cam or you can shoot me an email at combos with cam at gmail.com thanks again for listening let's chat soon <laughs>